Welcome to the Beyond Your Money podcast with Mike Dukovich, financial advisor and retirement income certified professional with RBC Wealth Management. Join us as we share the tools and insight that can help you take control of your money and your life. Because we believe life's greatest returns are realized when you invest beyond your money. And welcome to the Beyond Your Money podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Mike Dukovich. I'm a financial advisor, a retirement income certified professional, a certified plan fiduciary advisor, and a first vice president financial advisor with RBC Wealth Management. For those of you who have tuned in before, welcome back. But for anyone that's listening for the first time, this podcast is designed to help you take control. And we'll do that by discussing financial topics that are timely and relevant and applicable to your own wealth plan. And on today's Beyond Your Money episode, which I will say is the first episode of season two, which I'm excited to kickstart, I've brought friend of the show and producer extraordinaire, Patrice Sikora, back to engage in a conversation about a very transformative bill for this audience that was signed into law back in December of last year, and that's called the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023. Now, in that bill... There are a ton of broad bipartisan retirement savings provisions that are called the Secure 2.0 Act. And we're going to dive into some of these. This is not going to be an all-encompassing list. We're going to try and highlight some of the things that are useful to my audience and to my clients. Uh, but we're going to engage in a lot of different parts of this bill. So Patrice, as always, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me back here, Mike. I appreciate it. And I do love the word extraordinaire. It's not used enough, not nearly enough. <laughs> well, I'll try and work that in a couple more times before we're done today. Okay. So uh, Patrice, we're talking about the Secure 2.0 Act. It's been something that we've been hearing about for months and months and months. Uh, some of these provisions have actually started. Some of them are not going to start until next year and beyond. This bill is huge. I mean, there's no doubt it about is. it. There's a lot of things in here. We're going to try and hit on some of the big ones, I guess, for my audience, for my clientele. But before we begin, let's talk about what the SECURE 2.0 Act is. SECURE actually stands for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement. And Mike, I and want to know who has the job of naming these bills. I want that job. Well, those are those elected politicians that you send down to Washington. So, you know, these these names are their babies. They're, so. they're well-crafted, aren't they? Uh, they're, it's incredible, <laughs> right? So- now, the first secure bill was signed into law back in 2019. And, and when you think about that bill, there were some changes that were made. But the big one that kind of sticks out to me when I look back at that was it pushed back the, re the required minimum distribution age. At the time, it was 70 and a half. It pushed it back to 72. Now, there were other parts of that bill that, that were important, but that's the one that really sticks out to me. This secure 2.0 bill, which again was signed at the end of last year, at the end of 2022, is there's a ton of changes in here. There's a lot of stuff that is, again, revolutionary for my clients, for the general population. We're going to try and dive into some of the big ones. Now, going back to the RMD here, Mike, you say it, it's increased the age a little bit more. Not a heck of a lot. It's a year here, a year there. What's the benefit to that? Yeah. So, so just to review what RMD means, RMD stands for required minimum distribution. And that is basically when the government and the IRS forces a investor, forces a retiree to start taking money out of their retirements, out of their IRAs, out of their qualified plans. And the reason, if you think about it logically, an IRA, a 401k, qualified monies, 
the government gave you a tax write-off when you put money in. They actually gave you a deduction to put money into those accounts. And then they grew tax deferred over however many years you were saving. And so you've never really paid tax on that money. Well, the government recognizes that and they basically force you at a certain age to take money out of those retirement plans so that you can do what? Pay taxes, mm -hmm. right? So it makes sense. I understand what they're doing. We all understand what they're doing. Now, RMDs for a while, they were that, that age at which you had to start, it was in the 60s, you know, age, the, you know, the ages that you had to take it out were in the 60s. Then it was 70 and a half for a very long time. I think a lot of people out there still think it's 70 and a half. Mm -hmm. The Secure One bill moved it to 72, and guess what? The Secure 2.0, it moved it out even further. So now most of these changes will affect those individuals who reach the age of 72 this year or after, and basically what it does is it pushes it back to age 73, okay? Now, for individuals who reach age 74 after 2032, right? The RMD at that point will be 75, age 75. So from 2033 and on, your RMD age will be 75. What does that mean? It basically means that your money can stay into those tax deferred investments for longer, which is a good thing, I think, for the, for the general population. Absolutely. Now, again, these are qualified plans. This is not a Roth. This is not a Roth. That's correct. So we're going to talk a lot about Roth IRAs. There's a lot of changes here in the Secure 2.0 about Roth as well. But this is this purely IRA money. This is your IRA money and the required minimum distributions that that uh, are required there. Well, how about catch-up contributions? Yeah. So there are a lot of new rules also with regards to catch-up contributions. And we're going to talk about basically two different buckets. Uh, we'll talk about just individual retirement accounts first. So you know, right now, you can contribute to your, your traditional IRA, $6,500, and you have a catch-up amount of about $1,000. Now, that catch-up really hasn't gone anywhere for decades. Mm. Um, this new bill, Secure 2.0, will allow people that are 50 and older to contribute more in the form of a catch-up. And it's actually going to be indexed for inflation, which has never been done. And, and you know, in, in my opinion, it should have. I'm not sure why it was $1,000. bucks. You know, it was kind of just an arbitrary number. But starting in 2024, it will be indexed for inflation annually. So you'll be able to put more in. All right. Now, with regards to contributions to your 401k or a qualified plan, like a 403b or a government 457 plan, they're actually going to let you put more into that as well when you get older. So the catch-up contributions to those plans are 7,500 right now for the year 2023. So if you're over 50, you can put 7,500 in, in addition. Well, if you're between the ages of 60 and 63, you're going to be able to put more in. You're actually going to be able to put the greater of $10,000 or 150% of the standard catch-up permitted amount. And that's going to start in 2024. So what it boils down to is the Secure 2.0 Act is going to allow participants and employees to put more money away for retirement, which is important. And that's definitely something that a lot of people, if they are able to do, would want to do, I would think. Without a doubt. So if if you have additional monies that you want to put away and you and the budget and the cash flow allows for it, this is a great thing for you. And to that point, Patrice, I will say that out of all the bills that come out of Washington, this Secure 2.0 Act is Overall, this is great stuff. I mean, this is good stuff for the general population. It's going to force people in some ways. It's going to allow people in other ways 
to put more money away for retirement. So overall, you know, my, my, uh, my point of view on this is this is good stuff. All right. Now, a couple other things with regards to the, that contribution world, since we're on that topic, one of my favorite components of this bill is it's going to allow for participants who elect to receive their employer match, right? So if you put money in and you get an employer match right now, that goes into your traditional bucket. That goes into, we'll call it your traditional IRA type mm -hmm. of bucket, okay? The Secure 2.0 Act changes it. It actually gives the employee a choice. You can actually receive, if you want to, you can receive the plan sponsor's elective employer matching as a Roth. You can actually take it into a Roth account. Now that is a good move. Yeah, that's pretty slick. I, I actually like yeah. that one a lot. I'm a huge proponent of giving people a choice. There's not necessarily a right or a wrong with regards to that choice, but the fact that you have a choice now is is significant. So I love that provision. You can now get your employer match in the form of a Roth contribution. Interesting. Okay. Now, one of the other cool things, since we're on that Roth topic, the Secure 2.0 Act is actually also going to force or require IRA and 401k catch-up contributions for individuals who are in the higher income bracket, 145000 and and more. They are going to force those people to make any type of catch-up contributions to a Roth. Okay, oh, so, so that's they're actually... Gonna their, they're going to get their taxes. Yeah, that's exactly why. You know, it, this is under the guise of, hey, this is great for the individual. You know, more Roth money is typically something that people want. However, this is the one thing that I'm looking at in this bill that I'm kind of wishy-washy on. I, I don't love this. Again, because it's taking away a choice, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about it, it's forcing those high income earners to put money into a Roth bucket. And you pointed out exactly why the government's doing this. Those excess contributions are no longer going to be tax deductible to the employee. They're going to be you know, after tax. So the government's going to get some tax benefit. Now that money, don't get me wrong, is going into a, a, a Roth and which has some tax mm -hmm. benefits and it will be tax-free on the back end. But generally those high income earners, they want as much tax deduction now. You know, overall, this is the one thing in this bill that I'm not in love with, we'll say, but hey, we'll take it. Now for, you know, to that point, one other thing there, just because as a high income earner, you have to put your money into a Roth doesn't mean you have, you don't have other options. You know, there are deferred compensation plans that you can talk about uh, with your advisor or think about. And this could allow you to put more money away, you know, that, that actually is a, a pushing income into future years. That's a, that's a useful tool I've seen and I've started to implement, you know, to kind of combat this. So, you know, for what it's worth, deferred comp plans, it's something to think about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, since we're on the topic of retirement plans, one of the other features of, of this bill kind of involves uh, the employer as well as the employee, but starting in, uh, what year is this one starting? I think starting in 2025, any plans that are new, any 401k plans that are new are going to be forced to have what's called automatic enrollment, oh, which okay. I love. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about mm -hmm. this in future, in, in past podcasts, I should say, but this is a feature of 401k plans that I love. It, it, it forces people to save. Okay. And, and what this means is anyone that starts a new retirement plan after 2025, will be required to automatically enroll employees into that retirement plan. So instead of uh, right now, it's an opt-in situation where if you have a plan and, and an employee becomes eligible, 
that employee actually has to opt in. They have to say, hey, put me into the plan. You know, I don't start saving money for retirement. Well, it's going to reverse that. It's going to be an opt out situation starting in 2025, meaning when an employee becomes eligible, they're going to be automatically enrolled in the plan and they're going to be automatically taking money out of their paycheck to put into their retirement bucket. And it's going to be a, at least 3%, no more than 10. And it's it's basically going to be a way to, to force people to save. And if you don't want to do it, you know, if cash flow per, prohibits you from putting putting money away, maybe you're paying off a student loan, maybe you're, you know, saving to buy a house, it's it's going to be an opt out situation. So you're going to have to sign the form to say, hey, I don't want to do that. This is a really good feature, I think, simply because a lot of people, if you don't see the money in your paycheck, you don't miss it. It's already going into the savings account for you or into the, the whatever account it is, 401k, whatever. And it's there. Without you, a, you're, 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 ex it. you're exactly right. You're not missing it. And I always tell people when you're starting a 401k or perhaps young savers that haven't really thought about it and you're not making a whole lot of money. Um, they're not necessarily super excited to put away 3% or 5% mm -hmm. or 10% of their paycheck. They just, it doesn't sound great. Well, you know, 3%, honestly, in, in the whole scheme of things, pay to pay, to your point, Patrice, you, you're not, if you don't see it, you don't miss it. Right. And it's a great way of starting saving. And as we know, as we've talked about, you're better off saving as early as you possibly can for retirement because you get the compound and growth taking hold. You get that snowball effect if you save you early. So it's and then you get that reinforcement when you actually see the money that's in the account and go, oh, that's in there. I can add to that. Absolutely. Yep. One of the other cool things is there's always gonna be there's also gonna be what's called an auto escalation feature as part of this bill, which means you, you might start at three percent, but every year it goes up by a percent or two. So that's going to be a unique situation. Employers are going to be forced to do that as well. Again, the goal of this is to try and force Americans to start saving more for retirement because as we all know, we're not. You know, the average American is not yeah. saving for retirement and that's an issue. Absolutely. One of the other cool features here, Patrice, of the Secure 2.0 Act with regards to retirement accounts that I like, it's going to allow for simple IRAs which are typically set up by small businesses because they're simple. It's easier mm -hmm. to set up than you know, like a 401k, as well as SEP IRAs, which are typically set up by self-employed individuals. Historically, those have only been traditional tax-deferred vehicles, meaning you put a dollar in, it's a tax write-off for you. So that's not, not, not a bad thing, but that's been the only option. Well, guess what? Secure 2.0 is going to allow for Roth simple IRAs and Roth SEP IRAs. So again, I like this feature. I like this little uh, part of the bill. It's giving people, it's giving self-employers, you know, an option. It's it's allowing them to decide. So I, I like that feature as well. Now that starts actually this year, 2023. Hmm. I will tell you a lot of plan sponsors. So wherever your simple IRA is or, or your SEP IRAs are, we're trying to figure this out. The technology is just, you know, it, it, we're just trying to figure out how to do this, you know, what the X's and O's look like. So right. I will say, if you have a simple or a set, you're, the law allows you to put money into a Roth, but your plan sponsor may not be technologically able to do it yet. Be patient. Everyone's working through it. I'm starting to see some of the plan sponsors now incorporate that into their offerings but at some point it will be available to you. So that's a pretty that's a pretty cool situation there. 
are you responsible for going to the uh, your whoever's doing your step for you and saying, I want this? I would. If, if you're working with an advisor on those plans, which most of the time you are, they should be aware of this new feature in the Secure 2.0 bill. They should you know, have it on their radar. Uh, it's one of those things, though, that we all know is available. It's just, will the technology allow us to right. do it? So stay on top of them. Make sure it's something, if you want to do it, make sure that your advisor knows that you want to do it so that it's uh, front and center when it becomes available. One of the other cool components of this, and I, I love this one too, especially for new employees, young savers that perhaps are dealing with student loan debt. Historically, if you wanted to capture an employer match, you had to put some of your own money in, right? One of the right, one of the yeah. most common features is if you put in three, you'll get three from your employer. We've talked about this. This is what I call free money from your employer. It's right. something that you want to you want to do. With this new bill, the Secure 2.0, it's going to allow for student loan payments to be considered in the matching program, meaning if you are contributing to a student loan, employers can actually make contributions in the form of matches on those student loan payments. They're actually treated as, as you know, as if you were putting money into the plan. Now, there are certain requirements here, but ultimately, this is something that I love for young savers because if you think about it, if you're not making a ton of money and you are paying your student loan debts, you don't really have a choice there. You might not have enough money to put into the 401k at the beginning, and you might want to. Well, this is at least going to allow you to receive the employer match as a result of putting money into the student loan. And it has to be a qualified student loan payment, but this is a really cool feature for, for some of those younger in investors. And now this starts in plan years beginning after December 31st of 2023. So effectively in 2024, this cool feature will come into play. So this would be the time to go to your HR department and say, hello, I'm here. How are we setting this up? Exactly. You want to be in front of it, right? And that, and that's a lot of this stuff is just that. You want to be in front of it. You want to be knowledgeable of the situation. You want to be ready to tell the folks that are running the plans. This is a feature I heard about and I want to take advantage of. So that's exactly right. All right, Patrice. So we just went through a lot on qualified plans, IRAs, you know, basically retirement savings. There's another huge provision in here that affects a lot of my clients. And it actually revolves around college savings which is going to be a show in and of itself later on in this season, but really cool feature here. So with a 529 plan, that's the typical and, and more traditional way of, of mm -hmm. saving for a child's college education. It's a tax deferred vehicle. It's a tax favored vehicle where you can put money in, grows tax deferred, comes out tax free if it's for qualified educational expenses. Uh, and again, we're going to get into details in another show regarding that. One of the issues that some people always bring up with 529 plans is, hey, what if my kid doesn't go to college or right. what if they get a scholarship or what happens if if we don't get to use that money, right? There are a couple of different things and we'll talk about that in the future show, but ultimately worst case scenario, if you have to take money out of that 529 plan and it's not for a qualified educational expense, you could be penalized. You can actually pay a 10% penalty. Uh, as well as taxes on the earnings that have been in there. So that's not necessarily fun. Well, in this Secure 2.0 Act, this is pretty slick, okay? So <laughs> under the Secure 2.0 Act, beginning in 2024, eligible 529 plan account owners can roll up or can roll over, I should say, up to $35,000 from their 529 plan account to a Roth IRA 
that is going to be owned by the designated beneficiary of the 529 plan. So that was a mouthful. Okay. What does that mean? Basically, if you have a 529 plan for Johnny and Johnny doesn't use it, you can actually take $35,000 out of that 529 plan and start a Roth IRA for Johnny. With no penalty? No penalty. Wow. Pretty cool. This yeah. is a pretty cool feature. Now there's some rules here. There's a lot of different regulations that, you know, that you have to use and, and qualify. Let's talk about some of those, right? You know, so first of all, the 529 plant has to be, has to have been open for at least 15 years, which if you think about it, if you've been saving for Johnny since he was born, you know, you've, you've checked That's that fair. box. That's fair. Yeah. The rollover amount has to fall within the annual limits on contributions to Roth IRAs. So right now in 2023, that limit is 6,500. So what that means is you can only put 6,500 a year into the Roth, which makes sense. You got to stay within that limit. The designated beneficiary must have compensation income, which is at least equal to the rollover amount, meaning Johnny has to have a job. And if you're going to put in 6,500, he has to be making at least that amount in order to qualify, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. And one of the other provisions here is that contributions that are made to the 529 plan in the last five years are actually ineligible for rollover. Okay. So, you know, if you put money in recently, you can't necessarily use that. But in the end, what this is going to allow people to do is invest into 529 plans with more confidence that this money is going to be used and utilized for something that is important and that you're not going to be penalized on on the back end. You're going to have this, we'll call it this Roth get out of jail free card for mm -hmm. Johnny or for the beneficiary. It's, this is a pretty slick rule. Now this starts in 2024. So, you know, this is something we're talking about already with our clients. This is something that is actually enticing people to open up more 529 plans because it's eliminating some of that concern that, right. hey, we might not use it. Right. And I think it, we should mention too that the 529 can be used not just for college, but for other, as you said, qualified educational expenses. That's right. You know, so, and, and we're going to dive into this, Patrice, in another show, right. uh, specifically talking about, you know, all the various ways of saving for college, but you're exactly right. A couple of years ago, there was a law change that allowed 529s to, to be used for other things that were not just four-year institutions, right? K through 12 is now available for, mm -hmm. for some of this. You can use it for JUCOs and two-year schools and grad schools and trade schools. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of flexibility with 529s. It's a good deal. And we're certainly going to talk about that and emphasize that in a future show. Now that we've you know, highlighted some of the big things that I think are important for my clients and for our listeners. I, I do want to touch on briefly and kind of list out some of the other nuances of this program. And again, there are pages and pages and pages of the Secure 2.0. I'm not going to pretend to even think about <laughs> getting through all of them, but some of the more uh, nuanced provisions, we're going to jump around here a little bit, but uh, I think are fascinating. A lot of people don't know this, but there's a quirky little rule with regards to Roth qualified plans. Okay. So, so with a Roth IRA, there's no RMDs. Okay. That's one of the benefits of a Roth, right? right? Where you can put money into a Roth, it's after tax. So, you know, it all grows tax-free and, and ultimately tax-free on the way out. And as a result, because there's no tax on the way out, the government said, well, you don't have to take RMDs. We don't care. Right. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a quirky rule with regards to Roth qualified plans where you actually do have to take RMDs. Again, not a lot of people know about this rule. It's a pretty interesting situation. However, the Secure 2.0 Act beginning in 2024, it's going to get rid of that. 
So, you know, this quirky little role that, you know, caught a lot of people and, and got some people into we'll call it hot water, you don't have to worry about it anymore. So Roth qualified plans are no longer to be required to take RMDs before death. So that that's a that's a good part of this bill as well. That could be a great, a great tool in planning. Without a doubt. So a couple other things. Long-term care insurance premiums, okay, are now permitted pre-59 and a half coming out of a qualified plan without the 10% early distribution penalty. So historically, if you take money out of a qualified plan, you're taxed, obviously, you're always taxed on that, but you could also have a 10% early distribution penalty. Well, what the Secure 2.0 bill has done is it's gotten rid of some of those penalties, right? So Mm -hmm. paying for a long-term care insurance premium, assuming that it's, we'll call it qualified, is now going to be you know, free and clear of that 10% early distribution penalty. And that one starts in 2025. So that's a unique part of the bill that I found interesting. Indeed. One of the other little quirks in the bill that I, that I wanted to highlight special needs trust, which is a, it's a, it's a product, it's a program and a strategy that we'll use for folks that have beneficiaries or family members that have special needs they can now have charitable remainder beneficiaries. This is something that's unique. It's it's a little more of a nuanced conversation. But for those that are using these, you know what I'm talking about. The, the charitable remainder beneficiary situation is something that we can now talk about. It's something people have been asking for. Quite frankly, I'm not sure why it wasn't allowed, but it's it's now allowed thanks to the Secure 2.0 bill. So that's another cool little nuance. Quickly, why don't you explain that, Mike? So with a special needs trust, basically you're putting money into a program, you're putting money into a bucket that that allows for the care of someone with special needs. And historically, if if that money were to run out or that child or, or that beneficiary were to pass away, you know, that money has to go to somebody or to some, we'll call it another trust of some sort. You are not able to basically leave that money into a charitable situation. Well, now you can. And, and so this is something with you know, a lot of people, if you think about it, might have a child, I'm just, you know, making something mm-hmm. up, let's just say, you know, Down syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. And so as a part of that care and that ongoing situation and caring for that child, I'm sure you're engaged and, and involved with the, the Down syndrome organizations, right? Well, now you can actually leave money to those organizations if something were to happen to the beneficiary, to the child, which previously you weren't able to do. So it's a pretty, pretty cool. And, and I think it's, it makes sense, right? Long it allows overdue. people to do what they wanted to do. Yep. Yeah, long overdue. Yep. Uh, let's see. Some of the other little nuances that I wanted to touch on. Qualified charitable distributions, QC- QCDs. This is something that a lot of retirees take advantage of with regards to their RMDs, the required minimum distributions. What this does is this allows somebody to give their RMD basically give their IRA money, their retirement money to a charitable organization. And in doing so, if they do it directly from the IRA to that charitable organization, that allows for a tax-free benefit. You don't actually don't have to pay income tax on that. It, it qualifies for an RMD distribution, but you don't have to pay tax on it. So that's a, it's a pretty cool situation. A lot of people take advantage of it when they can, or if they don't need the money and they want to, you know, they have charitable interests, they can do it. Uh, there has been a limit on that. And that's been a pretty static limit for many, many years. It's $100,000. So if you wanted to give $150 to, a, to an organization, only 100 of that would fall into the QCD situation. Well, now that's going to be inflation adjusted. 
So every year that's going to go up a little bit, which is a good thing. Again, I, I feel that all of these different restrictions and requirements should be at least inflation adjusted, if not have some sort of annual increase. Again, it's just going to allow, what this is going to do is this going to give IRA owners another choice, right? Which is what we like. We like to have choices. It's going to allow people to send more money to the institutions and to take advantage of these QCD rules. So again, I like this little provision as well. So overall, it sounds like you rather like a lot of the provisions in this bill. Exactly. And I said that at the beginning, I mean, overall, when you look at some of these things and you really try to dive in and we're just scratching the surface, but when you dive in overall, most of this is good stuff for either the individual or the employee. And, and you know, there's also some benefits in here for the employer, right? So, you know, one of the things we didn't mention back when we were talking about the 401ks and the qualified plans, there's actually now a tax benefit, okay, for employers that are going to be starting retirement plans. So, you know, this is something, again, we didn't chat about, but it's worth mentioning for anyone that's going to start a new plan this year, there's actually a credit to get that plan up and running, to get it started. So if you've been thinking about starting a 401k plan, and you just haven't pulled the trigger, perhaps because it's costly, right? You know, in order to get something up and off the ground, you do have to pay for it to be created. Well, now, as a result of the Secure 2.0, they're giving employers yeah. a tax credit to actually get these things started. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this bill. We can spend another hour talking about it. Ultimately, what I would tell people is, is this is just giving more access to, to put more money away for your retirement. It's giving more opportunities to save. It's giving more opportunities for people to get money out. To, to that extent, you know, there are a lot of different provisions in here. We're, we're not going to touch on all of them, but there's a lot of provisions that allow for that penalty-free withdrawal, you know, that 10% penalty we talked about earlier. Long-term care insurance is one of them. You know, there's a whole list of, of situations, domestic abuse victims, people with terminal illness, what else, individuals who are suffering from losses in a disaster, public safety officers who are 50 and older. There, there's a lot of different little quirks in this bill that allow you to take money out of your retirement if you need it for some sort of emergency situation. Right. And so, so I think ultimately, you know, bottom line, when you're trying to think about your situation and you're trying to think about what you should be doing for retirement or perhaps, you know, how you can take money out if you need it for emergencies or what kind of accounts you should be opening for you or your beneficiaries or your, your student, these are, these are critical decisions that you, that you need to consult with a professional. Okay. You know, one of the, one of my favorite little lines is, you know, I can change my own oil but I take it to I take it to a mechanic to get it done correctly. And that's the same thing with financial planning and wealth planning, right? You could probably do this on your own, but you're better off engaging with a professional relationship so that you're doing it right and so that you're taking advantage of everything that's out there. There, there are so many different components to a wealth plan and there are so many different products and investments and, and strategies that are out there that it's simply in your best interest to engage with a financial advisor before trying to do it on your own. So that said, if you or a loved one need some help or some guidance with regards to your own personal wealth plan, if you're simply interested in learning more about what we do here or my practice, just reach out. You can reach out by calling 724-933-4446. You can also email me at michael.dukovic at rbc.com, and, and that's D-U-K-O-V-I-C-H. Or you can simply visit my website at michaeldukovic.com. Dot com. There's a ton of great stuff on there. You, you won't be uh, you won't be upset for visiting. So 
ultimately, you know, and to wrap it up, we want to work with people who value the plan, value our advice, and, and people that recognize that life's greatest returns are only realized when you invest beyond your money. So, so remember, it's your money, it's your life, take control. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Your Money podcast with financial advisor, Mike Dukovich. Make sure you click the subscribe button now so you will be notified when new podcasts are released. If you want to know more about working with Mike, please call 724-933-4446 or visit michaeldukovich.com. It's your money. It's your life. Take control. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RBC Wealth Management. All opinions and estimates constitute the speaker's judgment as of the date of this recording and are subject to change without notice and are provided in good faith but without legal responsibility. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial services provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. RBC Wealth Management does not provide tax or legal advice. All decisions regarding the tax or legal implications of your investment should be made in connection with your independent tax or legal advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. Investment and insurance products offered through RBC Wealth Management are not insured by the FDIC or any other federal government agency, are not deposits or other obligations of or guaranteed by a bank or any bank affiliate, and are subject to investment risks, including the possible loss of the principal amount invested. RBC Wealth Management is a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC.